Hello and welcome to Mobile Interactions Now, the podcast where industry pros share firsthand experience on making mobile experiences work. I'm Chris, and I'm part of the team here at Tentech. On today's episode, we sit down with Justin Keller, VP of Marketing at Sigster, to discuss the new challenges and pains involved in managing today's marketing engagement tools. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Take it away, Gene. Why don't you give the listeners a little bit of your background? I'll cover some in the intro, but I'm sure they would love to hear more. Yeah. So Justin Keller, I'm the head of marketing for a company called Sixter. We're located in Indianapolis, Indiana. I've been doing digital marketing for about 14 years now, mostly in SaaS, high growth tech startups, both here in Indianapolis and uh, spent a long time in San Francisco doing the same thing. You got a lot of great background to cover what we are going to talk about today which is how today's businesses are using marketing engagement tools. I mean, recently we are seeing many businesses across industries using various communication channels and customer data for customer acquisition and engagement, which may involve some rethinking and even retooling of a legacy methods they've been using, such as emails. So that's the first place I want to start with. What changes are you seeing in terms of how brands are using emails for their customer acquisition and engagement? Email's in a tricky spot right now, and I think it's for a few reasons. Email opens are going up, but actual clicks are going down. So like they're getting more eyeballs, but less engagement. And I think the reason is multi-pronged. I think it is a big reason is because there are so many different channels to communicate on, both social media and in email. But beyond that, I think people are getting really burned out on traditional mass email marketing. There's just so much going in into your inbox at any given point that it makes it hard to focus on the email communications that are really important. And we see this a lot at Sixtary, where we basically are trying to help make those one-to-one communications a lot more valuable to a marketing team or to the team that's trying to promote or engage their audience. Because it's so easy to just kind of either spot a mass email and delete it before it even gets opened or with the rise in like sales automation tools, there's a lot more kind of spoofed one-to-one looking emails. And by that, I mean, it's kind of a programmed cadence of emails that look like they're coming from an individual that really wants to talk to me, but it's basically a form email that's going out to 300 other VPs of marketing. And they're just kind of playing the numbers game, trying to figure out the more emails I send, the better my odds of getting someone to take the hook are. And that's another reason why it's really hard to engage people in email because they're just not sure about their inbox these days. It's a very interesting time, as you mentioned there. But I mean, it still seems to be a very meaningful tool for many brands. And are you seeing any reason in terms of how they're using it that kind of drives different needs or different application? At Sixter, we have a saying, in fact, we even have stickers and t-shirts that say it, it's email will never die. And I think that that is extremely true, especially in a business context. It's just where work gets done and most important communications happen and where really business relationships grow and die in the inbox. So I think one of the things that is going to change, and this is a good thing, is that there's going to be more effort and put into authenticity of communications. I think GDPR was a blessing for marketers, right? And a lot of my peers were really, really unhappy about all of the different procedures and opt-ins they had to go through when GDPR was passed. And I was on the side of the fence that was like, this is great. It makes it harder to blast out those spammy and phony messages. And we get to focus 
on engaging with the people that we know want to engage with us. And when you kind of shrink the playing field, you get a lot smarter about how you're communicating or how you're trying to engage people. So I think the biggest trend that's going to happen is we're going to see less and less call them spray and pray emails and a lot less of these kind of cadences of what look like one-to-one emails. And what's really going to start to be more effective is when people write an honest email and aren't trying to play the numbers game and really get attention that's unearned. That sounds like general concern that people are thinking about in terms of improving user experience, whether it's a communication channel or a product. It's the general experience that you get out of it. Is this one of the pain points customers are trying to address when they're buying your solution? It is. It's one of those things where, like I said, the more mass emails you send, the more unsubscribes you're going to get, the more people are going to be burned out on your brand and its message. Our customers are noticing that one-to-one emails are the lifeblood of their business communications. And they've been sitting on this kind of blank real estate for a long time, not even noticing it was there, where they could insert a passive call to action banner, right? So that's what Sixter does is dynamically inputs like basically a display ad that is relevant to the recipient. And you know, there's some really cool logic on the back end that determines who's receiving what email and that determines what banner shows up in the email. But that way it's always relevant but it's also super passive. So you can kind of persistently promote things that your company is trying to get out there, but without annoying people, without spamming them. And it's in every email. And the average employee or the average person sends about 10,000 emails a year. So if you have 100 employees, that's a million impressions, basically. And if you can get really good at targeting those, that's it's a huge brand impression channel engagement method. There's just a lot of things you can do with it, but without being authentic because it's still going in a human-to-human email and without being spammy or annoying because it's just kind of a nice subtle touch at the bottom of an email. Do you see any differences in terms of a B2B and B2C in terms of the use of emails? Yeah, for sure. I think there's not a whole lot of one-to-one emails going out from B2C, right? They kind of, B2C brands have to keep their brand a little more anonymous. That said, I think that when brands, especially in social media, engage with humans as if they were also a human, that creates a really magical brand experience. And people go gaga when that happens to them or they see their friends or getting like great interactions from brands they love. And that's one thing I think that is really great. And I think kind of the overriding message here is that the more authentic you can make your brand and your brand's communications, the more it'll pop and the better people will feel about engaging with it. We've got a few B2C customers that use Sigster, but it's really around more education and kind of awareness rather than trying to generate registrations for an event or to drive downloads or whatever. Businesses, on the other hand, have pretty standard use cases. Like I said, they want to get people in events. They want people to download their new white papers. They want people to be aware of their new products. They want to make them aware of new initiatives that they're undertaking. And they're getting really sophisticated about segmenting their audiences because attention is in such short supply. They want to make sure that the interactions they have are the right ones. And so I'm seeing a lot of companies get really, really smart about how they're segmenting their audience and what messages they're putting in front of those segments so that they're not burning about on their brand message and it's super relevant and those eyeballs aren't wasted on crappy or, or irrelevant message. Taking from there, in terms of how customers actually measure their ROIs, what really stands out the most for you? In terms of when they're measuring their ROI, like how do they evaluate Sixter's performance or? What metrics they're using. Gotcha. It really varies on what the use case is. I think if you 
think of Sigster as kind of a lead gen tool, I think you're going to be measuring the wrong thing because it's really meant to be a marketing vehicle for your known audience. We use this term known marketing a lot, and it's kind of a fallout of GDPR where you're really interacting with the people that are close to your brand already. So what we really look at is kind of standard display advertising metrics, cost per click, cost per impression, click-through rates, stuff like that. But really depends on what the person or the company wants to get out of it. If they're trying to drive registrations, then conversion rates on registering is something that we can show them and we're happy to be measured on. Event registrations is a great use case for us. But a lot of times, companies are biased just for the branding ability, the ability to keep their email signatures looking standard and to insert a dynamic brand impression in there just to kind of keep awareness of the brand, the message top of mind and all that. So it's kind of a novel medium for marketing. It's kind of display advertising. It's kind of email marketing. It it kind of straddles a few different methods. So we evaluate it based on use cases, which vary a lot on what the goal of either the campaign or the company is. You mentioned the conversion and all that. I'm going to try to look at the other side of this. What we are actually in the industry communications-wise, we are starting to see is actually using the communications data to kind of personalize customer experience, whether that becomes the email that you write that becomes more personalized because it's kind of different way of looking at it. I recently talked with an e-commerce platform who is uh, spending a lot of resources all on building a predictive analytics and using mostly their email exchanges with their customers, which I found really interesting. Do you see any of this becoming uh, expected value add for using services like yours? hundred percent. I think the personalization is a really big topic right now, right? The ability to either get the right message or product in front of someone or the ability to even put their name or their logo on kind of a brand impression is something that a lot of people are trying to figure out right now. I think because it overcomes that hump, right? Where, like I said, people are getting really good about segmenting and people are getting really burned out on lots of communication. So when you got a deficit of attention, the ability to either catch their attention with a personalized, customized call to action or a very relevant product. Like my Instagram feed freaks me out sometimes because I'm like, I don't know how they knew I needed that, but this is something that I definitely need. I think it will work, but I think it'll only work for a while. I think people are doing it right now because it's scalable and it kind of overcomes that objection of like, I'm tired of seeing all this, but I don't think it'll last because I think once it becomes the norm, people will adapt to it and they will kind of get burned out on it again. And it'll be on to the next thing. And I don't know what that is, but I think the one constant across all these things is if you can get really authentic with your messaging and kind of try to engage for an honest reason, I think that'll stand the test of time. Picking up from what you mentioned a little before in terms of B2B, what it sounds to me is because of the B2B nature of it, is it a lot of it is becoming sort of like an account-based marketing tool in a way? Very much. And that's one thing we're getting extremely good at from a product perspective. When Sixter was started, it was a pretty simple idea to kind of standardize the signature and include a call to action banner that was kind of global. Now we've got customers that are running upwards of 500 campaigns at once that are all aimed at specific accounts. And it knows that when you email someone at GE, for example, that they have the GE.com email domain, that Sixter can intelligently deliver the content that we're saying, this is what GE needs to see, whether it's a personalized banner or content stream that is meant for them. And there's not a whole lot of really powerful ABM execution tools out there. There's a lot around display advertising. So getting really good targeted account 
display advertising. There's a lot of kind of direct mail and gifting that is kind of account-based that's happening. Beyond that, kind of the personal one-to-one email is really one of the only other channels that is effective in driving, at least from a digital perspective, that engagement with an account. So that's something we've invested a lot in from a product perspective over the past year is really enhancing our targeting abilities and kind of delivering relevant content at scale. I'm curious about your product development decisions and some of the things you are starting to add to what you originally started out with. Anything that you want to share in terms of what you are learning from watching your customers, how they use and things in the nature that whether it's already in your roadmap or what already happened? Yeah. In terms of our roadmap, it's kind of two big things right now. On the email signature kind of side of things, we are developing lots and lots of integrations. So marketers invest a lot of money into tools to help them market better. And like I said earlier, they've been kind of sleeping on this channel that's one-to-one email. And now they're realizing, wow, this is a super high volume channel. It's a very engaged channel because these people are having conversations here. And then how do I bring the rest of my marketing technologies into that, right? How do I kind of integrate my one-to-one employee emails with all of the different technologies I'm paying so much money for every year. And so we're really focused right now on trying to figure out how we can bring in different display technologies, different content technologies. I mean, you name it, like where it's across the board from CRM to direct mail. How do we make all these things work with the lifeblood of the company, which is email? So we're really focusing on kind of making email a central part of a marketer's tech stack, which I think is super cool because, I mean, it's just such a huge channel. So that's the one thing. The other kind of product initiative that we've been really spending a lot of time and effort in is our new product called Sixter Pulse, which basically, again, uses the employee, the corporate email to analyze relationships, right? So we've got artificial intelligence that goes into the corporate email server and maps and quantifies and segments all of the relationships that have ever existed with the company. So I can understand one of our target accounts, who at Sixter knows that account the best, who's got the best relationship with the decision maker there, who are the best people I need to talk to to get an introduction there, and how is that relationship developing or improving or degrading over time so I can really understand how my different marketing initiatives and how my sales team are really moving the needle to kind of get a new customer out of them. So that's another thing we're working on because we feel like successful relationships are built off of communication. Most business communication happens inside email. So let's kind of figure out how we quantify the relationships based on that premise. That's interesting because you just mentioned about how email becoming the corner piece and the whole stack that it requires for the engagement to happen. And this whole omni-channel communication environment that we are dealing with, especially with mobile communications that, you know, sort of came after emails, the whole desktop communication legacy era. So this whole topic of omni-channel communications it is sort of what is changing the enterprise IT as well. And you mentioned about this, this whole stack there. Now, is this something that is coming up in your customer conversations? And does that change some of the counterpart you are talking with? Or has it changed your engagement with your customers at all? Not too much. I think really... Especially in a B2B context, a company communicates with other companies via email. I'm starting to see more and more kind of Slack groups emerge from company to company, but it's really post-sale. Text messaging, I've seen a little more in late-stage sales, but if I ever get a cold text, I'm extremely perturbed by it. So I think in terms of like that omni-channel thing, I think that 
email by virtue of being the main communication vehicle between companies is kind of, to use your word, the cornerstone. And then all the other communications need to kind of be built around that so that there is a consistent message across channels. But I think that email is kind of still the workhorse of companies. And like I said earlier, we don't think email will ever die. I have to ask you something because you're talking about GDPR actually helping just kind of quality control wise. And you're talking about how really um, getting into the employee emails and things in the nature. Do you ever come across the situation where you have to have like an employee version of a GDPR? That's a really good question. I have not come across that yet. But I wonder, I mean, especially for some of our bigger global companies that are kind of, especially with Sixter, internal campaigns are a big use case, right? Just promoting cultural initiatives or like today, we've got a chili cook-off for, for Halloween. So we've got a banner running to promote awareness about that. Lots of treats for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's an interesting question. I will let you know if I come across that. We are definitely dealing with a lot more global brands lately, and that may be something they're interested in, in figuring out with us. Great. I want to delve a bit deeper into the tech behind the scenes a little bit. Like when you describe your solution and platform, essentially, how do you compare, say, with the CRM? Well, I think there's two answers. So live and die by the CRM. I mean, every company does, right? And so we are a complement to it for sure on the email signature side. We have integrations with Salesforce, and one of those integrations allows people to target certain accounts with certain call to action banners. So very important integrations there. And then on the Pulse side, the relationship intelligence side, we're feeding that data into a CRM so that a salesperson, when they click on an account or in a contact record, they understand the nature of the relationship that their company has with that target account or that target contact. And it kind of enriches the record because they understand the human connections that have already been developed between the brand and the brand or people with the brand. Does that change your own channel strategy? Meaning, are you having more of, say, through value chain partners like CRM partners versus directly to your enterprises, as they call it? It remains to be seen, but I think the answer is going to be absolutely yes. I think that being able to measure relationships has always been kind of like this. People haven't even thought to do it because how would you even start to begin to do it? And um, we've kind of stumbled into figuring out how to use AI to help quantify relationships. And so I think that our go-to-market strategy will certainly be aided by getting that data into, because it's such a novel concept, getting that data into the software and the platforms that marketers are already very familiar with will make it make sense a lot more, but will also change kind of how their strategy shape. We did a study earlier this summer with Matt Hines that said that MQLs, marketing qualified leads, turn into customers 5% of the time. But in terms of relationship development, 98% of closed one business had a strong relationship in place. So if you're measuring relationships, I think you've got a much more solid indicator of pipeline health and ability to win new customers. So I think that once more and more people start measuring relationships as a key performance indicator, it'll change how they market. It'll make it a lot more authentic and personal and genuine. I think it'll be a better indicator of their overall business and sales health. So your use of AI, feel free to drop any specifics, whether you use uh, open source and whatever that becomes a Google AI engine versus IBM Watson, what have you, right? And also, how is actually being used? Meaning right now, is this more of a context analysis for the email or is it actually becoming like on the interface level that the recipient of the email is actually experiencing? What am I supposed to picture here? 
it's not reading any of the emails. We don't want to get into that quite yet. I think a lot of people would be unhappy if they knew that we were trying to do some contextual analysis for their emails. I do think that that would be a big benefit, but I also think that there'd be so many objections that we haven't figured out how to tackle it yet. And I don't know. I mean, most of the AI is proprietary, but I don't know if it was built using any open source technology or something. I'll get back to you on that. Right now, it's really measuring the frequency, the recency, the velocity of email communications and of calendar invitations, right? So we've got a meeting on the calendar. We actually had that meeting. We definitely talked. So it's a good indication that there's an improvement in that relationship. And then we pepper in a little bit of CRM data and marketing automation data so we can see how else are they interacting with our brand. If not our people, our brand. And then the algorithm kind of sorts all that out and assigns a score based on previous interactions and kind of how frequently and how quickly emails are trading back and forth to score that relationship. And so the hypothesis is basically the more communication, the healthier the relationship. And there's some timing, time boxing that happens to kind of flatten out or kind of average out the relationship score. But the premise is really just kind of like how much are we talking? Sounds awesome. Would you like to mention any popular features that your customers are using or any most frequently requested features by your customers? Absolutely. So on the signature side, it's I'm going to tell you what, on both sides, and I think this is rings true for the entire marketing technology industry, everything is ABM right now. Everything is account-based marketing. So on the signature side of things, a lot of our customers are getting really good at building a lot of targeted campaigns that are very personalized and make kind of the emails that are coming from a salesperson or a marketing team make that email a lot more valuable. On the Pulse side, the, the relationship intelligence is something that account-based marketers are using to measure the health and progression of their target accounts. So we have at Sigster about 120 target accounts that we're trying to break into. And we look at all the usual metrics about click-throughs and stuff like that. But what we're really basing our pipeline and engagement on is how those relationships are developing. And that changes how our sales team and our marketing team interact with them because we're not trying to drive them to download a white paper, right? That's a great thing for them to do, but that doesn't help the relationship. We really want to engage with them as people. And so that's kind of changed how we go to market with them. So we've got several really large customers that are using Pulse for various flavors of that use case to track account development. Another notable trend I see happening in terms of uh, engagement is real-time two-way. And as you know, email is very one-to-one, but not necessarily real-time. And there's a delay in terms of becoming a two-way communications. And it's people are thinking that it's following the trend that is happening and how people are using communications in their private lives. Any changes you see in terms of these legacy communications that are how to cope with in terms of whether it becomes a complementary or one becoming more of a relationship-based communications versus other more two-way, more instant communications? How do you see this in its totality? I think that Real-time is awesome. I'm so happy that FaceTime has caught on in a big way and you know, something I do with my friends all the time, sometimes with business colleagues. I think Slack has become like one of my favorite business tools ever because of the instantaneousness of it. So I think it's definitely complimentary. I don't think it's going to replace anything. I think that it's additive. I don't think it's kind of a replacement to anything. So I think the more communications channels we have from a relationship perspective, the better. I think from a marketing and kind of brand perspective, 
it's sticky. It's a challenge because that's just another channel for us to be interrupted, interrupted with, right? We're using this channel to communicate and brands know that and they want to get in there and, and kind of somehow figure out how they can get their brand message in there as well. And that corrupts that channel a little bit. So we'll see how it plays out. But to answer your question, I don't think it'll change the current communication stack that we all have. From the customer's point of view, your platform user's point of view, it becomes, you know, enabling another preference, which channel they can contact their own customers via and all those things. So there is a bit of a complexity involved in here orchestrating anything that whether your own experience and whatever you are hearing out there, how companies are starting to deal with this. I mean, for companies... It's important for them to have a paper trail for everything, right? So no one's going to sign the contract over text message. People aren't going to do a list of deliverables and deadlines via Slack because it goes away after a while. Whereas in email, it persists always and it's in the corporate server. And I mean, companies have spent so long trying to lock that information down just so it stays there should they need it. I think that transactional business will happen a little bit more and more on different channels, but I think really important, vital business communications will have to stay in email just because that's kind of how businesses have been built since email was invented 30, 40 years ago. Given the evolving needs of your customers, as we just talked about, and you mentioned a little bit about integrating into CRM, all that, but what is your general approach in terms of how to integrate? whether that becomes having a marketplace, APIs being available, or whom you are partnering with? Is it more of a matter of responding to specific customer needs? Or is it at Sixter, is it more of a business development initiative you guys are taking proactive action? Yeah, it is definitely both. I will tell you that it's, from my perspective, I look at it from business development, figuring out what are the cool things we can make when we combine Sixter and another brand. Like email is such a huge resource that like, what would happen if you just mixed it with this other technology? I spend a lot of time thinking about that and working out with our partners and like, what could we do to make one plus one equal three here? But then from a product perspective, we definitely prioritize based on demand, right? So we can be working on cool ideas and everything. But if we have a customer that says, yo, I use this technology and I want to use it with a Sixter and their checkbook is out and ready to go, we will definitely try and serve the customer first. So it is a little bit of both, but it's really... One of those things where we're on a mission to bring email into every marketing technology there is. Cool. That was a lot of topics we just covered. So for our listeners who would like to learn a little more about what you just shared today, any resources you want to point them to? Yeah, if you go to sigster.com, S-I-G-S-T-R. We have so many resources. We've got a great content program and everything we do is our rule on our content is everything we need to do is needs to be helping our marketers. So we've got a lot of great resources to help people out there. And I do have one more thing before you go. I have a fun little question I ask my guests for as a, like a little closing segment that I'm calling what's on your phone. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. Yep. What are the three things you use the most on your phone? I uh, just cracked it open. I think the three things I use most are Reddit, Spotify, and, you know, it's a toss-up between Twitter and the Starbucks app. I've got a crippling caffeine dependency. <laughs> Love that. It sounds like all those three things are what you could be doing 
at a Starbucks. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> that is awesome. All right. I have to thank you. And with that, I would like to really extend all the information you shared and actually making me laugh. And hopefully we will talk, have another chat sometime in the future. I would love that. Thank you so much. Thank you again to Justin Keller for joining us today. You can find out more about Justin and Sixter at Sixter.com. That's S-I-G-S-T-R.com. To find out more about Gene and Tentech, visit Tentech.com. Make sure to search for Mobile Interactions Now in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Tentech, thanks for listening. <laughs>